The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 8 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton. And today on the show, we have a very special guest. Once again, the eighth one that we've had. We're eight for eight. Um, His name is Brian T. Arnold, or you might know him as BTA on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, He's at Brian T. Arnold, but his name on there is BTA. I'm calling him BTA for the rest of my life because I like when people have red nicknames like that. I just think it's sick. And that's the end of that. <laughs> but um, he uh, he's a very cool dude, very talented dude. He's a screenwriter, uh, director, and performer. Um, he came up doing improv and sketch comedy with like Upright Citizens Brigade and The Groundlings. And he wrote for a CBS sketch show and uh, just all this cool stuff. And he moved from... That was, I mean, after he moved from West Virginia to L.A., so he's not an L.A. guy, uh, but he's been there now for 10 years, so I guess he kind of is, um, and now he is, he won some cool screenwriting competitions, he ended up on the 2021 Blacklist, and he is repped at Bellevue Productions, which um, many of you probably know John Zazerny from Twitter. He's got a pretty infamous Twitter account where he gives like industry insight and just, you know, tips and tricks on how unrepped writers can maybe get repped or how the industry actually works. He's a good follow. I would follow him. And also Kate Sharp is his other rep at Bellevue. He's repped at APA. So he's doing a lot of cool stuff out here and he's breaking into the industry in a big way and we're all for it. Um, And we'll get into the episode. But first, guys, I want to tell you. Uh, if you want to donate to the show, you can do that at the Linktree link in our social media at Social Writer Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, if you have the money, cool. If you don't, that's okay too. But um, it definitely helps me, you know, having to record these things and uh, edit and do the promo and all that stuff. It just helps me out a little bit, and I appreciate it. Guys, I just want to let you know, too, about our friends over at the Finish Line Script Competition. So Wednesday... March 16th is going to be the early bird deadline for the Tarota Finish Line Social Impact Competition. Financing is available for the right script about social justice or issues that affect change in the world. You can enter your short film scripts, pilots, and features only at Film Freeway. And you can learn more about it at Film Freeway or at finishlinescriptcomp.com. And with that, guys, let's go ahead and start the show. Ryan T. Arnold. What's going on? It's a T in the middle, and let me try to guess it. Mm-hmm. Timothy? First guess. That's good. Are you I'm, kidding me? No, that's it. It's Timothy. That's never, what? that's nobody's first guess. So you, you the... were. Oh my <laughs> God. I can't believe that just happened. Okay. Well, this is going to be an amazing interview. I can already tell. I can tell. I feel, I feel good. That is crazy that that happened. Uh, cool. Yeah. Brian T. Arnold, it's so cool to have you here today, man. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing good, man. Like by modern standards, I'm doing good. How about you? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, same. Uh, you know, um, things are going pretty good right now. I really can't complain about much. 
Um, okay, so Brian Arnold, you are, so I did a little research for you. Uh, oh, a lot wow. of times I don't do a ton of research. I just <laughs> jump right in, but I had like 15 minutes before this. And um, it was actually pretty fascinating. Um, well, for starters, too, you are an outsider of the coast. You are from West Virginia. Bluefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep, you deep dove. Hey, man, I'm like, have you ever seen the show Hot Ones on YouTube? Yeah, I'm I like have. Sean Evans with that deep research. <laughs> you know what I mean? I found your hometown and the list stops there. No, uh, <laughs> I, I, I found a few things. Um, so how long have you been in L.A.? You're in L.A. now, right? I'm in L.A. now. It's been uh, 10 years as of last month. Oh, wow. Congrats. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't always sure I'd make it. And I'm still not sure how much longer I'll still keep. I'll get to stay here. But for now, it's yeah, it's working out. OK. Yeah. I mean, 10 years is a good run. Yeah. If nothing else, I had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you studied broadcast journalism at Concord University. I did. I did. And um, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask. Um, how did that kind of translate into, because the first question I want to ask you is, how did you get into screenwriting? Mm -hmm. Were you already screenwriting while you were going to school for broadcast journalism? Or was that kind of a later thing? Like, how did that all pan out from you getting your degree, working your way into what you're doing now? Totally. Yeah. Um, so I always knew it's kind of a long circuitous story to how, you know, from, from there to here, I'll try to mm -hmm. give the shortest version I can, but it, I yeah. won't be good at that. Yeah. You're uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This can be 50 hours long. It's okay. Perfect. It yeah. will be, uh, it'll be your lowest <laughs> rated episode, but I'm going <laughs> to, but it's going to be long and that's important. That's good. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I knew like, you know, growing up in a, in a small town in West Virginia, it's a great place, lovely people, uh, very beautiful, but like it's as far from Hollywood as you can you can mm -hmm. be. And like for the longest time, it doesn't feel like um, you. I mean, even if you I don't know if I knew screenwriting was a job for a long time or it, let alone how to get into it. But like I always was drawn to it as a kid. I remember like in elementary school, I would send. I remember very specifically mailing a packet to Fox with like, there should be a new Power Rangers. Here's what it should be. Here's <laughs> it would star me and my friends. Here's the here's a drawing of it. No and way. I your did first, your first pitch doc. My first pitch doc. <laughs> um, and I that kept going for a while. Like the first the first um, screenplay I ever wrote. Um, I was 14 or so, I think, and it was X-Men 2. I was oh, like, wow. I just saw X-Men. Somebody has to write X-Men 2. Why not me? Yeah. Uh, so I wrote it, printed it off, mailed it to Fox. Again, Fox, for some reason. Yeah. Never heard back, um, which, weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that started, like, so it started young, uh, for sure. Um, and then broadcast journalism was sort of like, you know, moving away from like a small town to like the big city to like chase this seemingly very impossible dream just felt like maybe I don't have to do that. Maybe like I can be happy doing something else. And like, you know, with news, at least you're like, you're writing, you're editing video, you're putting stuff on TV. Like I could do that here and be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I wasn't, I was like the, the cool, I mean, doing news in college was kind of fun. And then also like 
the broadcast journalism program at Concord, like also had room for like, I took like one screenwriting um, class. Like um, I took like a couple like video production, short film kind of classes. Uh, mm-hmm. But overall it was very broadcast journalism focused. And after I graduated, I worked in a, in a TV station uh, as a, I was a morning producer for a news show mm-hmm. uh, back home in West Virginia. And it was awful. Like I, God bless the people who do it, but mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was working like the, the graveyard shift. I was like 1030 at night till seven in the morning, oh producing the morning show. Awful, uh, awful. I couldn't. Yeah. Um, I was exhausted all the time. I like wrecked my car at one point because I think I hallucinated on the road. Like it Holy was just shit. I mean, I don't know if it's a hallucination. Hallucinating might be a strong. I didn't like see a camel well, in front of me or something. But... Right, right, right. No, but yeah, just like from pure exhaustion yeah. and just over exerting yourself i was just just done and like i was positive like a car was coming to my lane i don't even know if it was but i flipped my car a couple times and i was just like it was not ideal i I luckily was fine and everything but it was just like i can't keep doing this it's not even what i want to be doing um so i ended up quitting that job and then i moved to myrtle beach south carolina for a little while i had like Mm -hmm. a cheap place to stay down there Mm -hmm. and that's where i took my first um improv comedy class was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, on stage and I was like being creative and it was so fun. And I was just like, this is actually what I want to be doing. So yeah. after that, I, I decided to actually move to LA and give it a shot. And that's sort of the long, the long road that, you know, led to at least being here. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up at the end because that's another thing we have in common is improv and a oh, lot right of on. improv. Uh, I did it. I do improv not as much anymore in St. Louis at a oh, cool. theater we have here called the improv shop. But I saw that you did improv at UCB and with the Gromlings mm-hmm. and IO West and you wrote for a CBS sketch comedy showcase. <laughs> I mean, dude, that's super incredible. And, uh, and also funny or die, which is amazing. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, I was never like, I loved improv improv. And mm-hmm. like when I moved here, like, writing almost took a little bit of a backseat, like in terms of the features and, and, and TV stuff. It was, I got very into improv and sketch and performing. I took classes at UCB, um, ended up on a sketch team at IO West. Um, and that was just most of my creative focus. The, the, it's, it's funny, like, it's hard to make yourself write while you're doing those kinds of things because like screenwriting is six months of, you know, in a, in a locked in a room, hoping somebody likes it. When yep. you're doing improv or sketch, it's like immediate laughs, immediate, like instant uh, gratification, instant gratification. Yep. Yeah. So yep. it was just like that sapped my creative energy and was like fulfilling enough for a while. Um, yep. after that CBS showcase, which was, you know, um, a really cool experience with met some great people at uh but after it i was just like i met some managers like who came to the showcase and that kind of thing but it was like i don't i think there's like one sketch job in the world i think it's i think it's snl now like there's no other sketch yeah. there's nothing else to do in sketch improv, yeah. no, improv nobody makes any money at all right. so like i need to get back to like really focusing on on writing for tv and film and so like i kind of said goodbye to improv and sketch a little bit uh to really refocus on this yeah man Uh, i'm so similar to that in that um when the pandemic hit it kind of forced my hand but um but even then before that i was feeling myself pulling away from improv because even though i Mm -hmm. love it and i was on a sketch team here and improv teams uh even though i love it and i love our community so much Mm -hmm. um 
I just knew that like I, I was at a point because I was doing uh, I was going to school. I was mm-hmm. a late film school person. I was like 30, 31 when I was going to graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was doing improv full-time school and part-time mm-hmm. work and also trying to chase this screenwriting and film dream. Mm-hmm. And it was like, one thing has to go. Yeah. And of all of the things I know improv won't be a career. Yeah. And uh, it just sucks that it's probably the thing that I have the most fun doing right now, you know, right? it's like a, yeah. a, a, it's all so that fun. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And just hanging out with your friends in a room. Uh, I mean, you can have a couple chairs if you want, but you don't even need them. <laughs> you don't, you don't you need them. Literally just be silly with your friends and that's it for two hours. You have an excuse. Absolutely. So yeah, I kind of share that in that um, I had to step away from it. Now I was wondering too, with the CBS showcase, you said mm-hmm. that, there were some managers there. Were they looking at you as a talking to you as a performer? Uh, no, I didn't perform in that showcase. It was oh, okay. um, just I was just a writer for it. Um, no, it. it was it, it was very much a showcase for the actors, but the writers also got you know some attention here and there. But like sure. it was one of those things that like almost nobody would you know. Like, it was like oh good, you wrote a two minute sketch. What am I going to do with that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It was, yep. it didn't, I, so I had a writing partner throughout most of, of that showcase and she and I wrote a pilot together that we would send to these managers just to try to like build on a little bit of that, like mm-hmm. heat we thought we had yeah. and that didn't go, that didn't go anywhere. Um, and yeah, so it just became like, I, I really relate to the, to the idea of, you know, when you have so many, like there are so many, and especially for me when I was like, coming up and doing all these things. I, I, I like to act. I like to perform. I like comedy. I like writing. Mm-hmm. And it, but it felt like, you know, you were taking, I was taking this like shotgun approach to my career of like, I'm going to do all these things. And one of them is bound to hit like, like I'll, I'll diversify and something will happen. Yeah. And then what I kind of had to realize was, you know, if you, you know, you're, I'm not aiming at anything. I have to like, I have to like really narrow down my focus and mm-hmm. in order. And then I realized, I thought about it and I was like, I think writing's the thing I'm best at. So mm-hmm. maybe one day I'll be able to direct and act a little bit, but you know, writing became like, this is, this is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the smart way of thinking. I think for everyone is to, um, you know, even if you want to do five different things in the industry, mm-hmm. what are you the best at now? What do you have the mm-hmm. best odds of breaking in? Because like the thing that sucks about this industry, the hard truth is that it is so insanely competitive mm-hmm. and there are so many people who are so incredibly talented at the thing that they're doing. Big time. Uh, so what is the thing that you think you could be the most exceptional at? And for me, I, I'm the same way. It was screenwriting. Mm-hmm. It was like at the end of the day, I think the thing that stands out about me the most is writing and like I, I don't know if you share this maybe but like uh as a kid I was um very into skateboarding and I thought that I was going to be a pro skateboarder one day and then oh, that nice. didn't pan out and then I was like okay well I've you know I play guitar uh, I, I'm gonna make music my thing now and mm-hmm. I went really really hard at that and that didn't pan out but like along the way in both of those things I had friends who had been doing it less long uh not as long as me mm-hmm. and they just cruised past me like in skill and sure. you know the talent level sure. and i was always like really bummed out about that um and then when i found writing i kind of found the thing that like once i started getting kind of good at it was like oh i have something now that like i've just noticed from like some of the classes i've been in or things like that that like 
not everyone is capable of doing it at the level that I'm doing it at. And like, I know that sounds like narcissistic and shitty, but like what I'm saying is like, I was making an observation about myself, like, Oh my God, I think I finally found the thing that like I'm good at, you know, that, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know if you ever had things like that, but like, that's how I kind of found out about screenwriting being like, Oh shit. I think this is like to be corny, my calling in life. Yeah. I I don't think that sounds narcissistic. I think it, I think you are, what we all have to do is sort of like look for the things that we are good at. And I don't think Mm -hmm. there's anything wrong with recognizing like, this is not a thing I'm great at. Somebody else is better at this than I am or versus like, Oh, this is a thing where I feel like I can excel. Like you're not in competition with the other people, but you're seeing where you're at. And like, I guess there's a degree of competitiveness, but it doesn't need to be and doesn't feel that way necessarily. It's just like, I, I see what I'm doing. I feel good about it. I, I feel like I'm seeing the results of it. I'm seeing the fruit of it Mm -hmm. uh, and how I kind of stand out. So like, yeah, this becomes my thing. And yeah, I, I, I had the same, I wasn't, I was never into skateboarding. I'm way too anxious and injury prone for that. Um, I bought a guitar during the pandemic and it's Mm -hmm. mostly collecting dust, but like, you know, doing improv and stuff, I would like, you know, I, I, I don't pretend like I'm was this amazing improviser or anything. I, I never made a house team at UCB, which was also one of the reasons I slowly stopped doing improv as much because I was just like oh it's just not gonna be this isn't the place that I'm gonna succeed for people who don't know about improv though I'll throw it out there that's a very high bar so just to throw that out there uh being on the house team at UCB is pretty big the talent at UCB was was amazing and like I I don't you know I remember uh (laughs) like one year one year I almost I got a call like the only time I got a call back to be on a team at UCB like I was like oh this is finally it this is finally happening mm-hmm. um and I went in did the call back and didn't uh didn't make it and I, I was working at my job at the time when I got the email and I like went in the bathroom and just like cried for mm-hmm. like for a little while and then like that day I was just like wait a second this isn't what I moved here for. Like mm-hmm. why, like I understand, like I get the emotion that I'm feeling because I've invested so much time in this, but like get up and do the thing that you're that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it, like you, you just find the thing that you're supposed to be doing and eliminate yep. the things that you're not. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, well, I don't, I don't, I, I was kind of veering into my own shit. I don't want to dwell too long on this stuff, but what I do- I also want to hear your shit. We can do that. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing like that I found out about doing this podcast. When I first started, like the first two episodes, I would be editing them afterward and be Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I talk so much considering (laughs) this is an interview show. But then um, I tried to cut it back a little bit, but then I started getting all this positive feedback from people listening. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love how it just feels like listening to two people having coffee and just back and forth. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe that's like, part of what makes the show special. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it like that instead of trying to rein it in all the time. And like, you know, I think it also takes pressure off the guests because us (laughs) screenwriters, you know, sometimes we're not talkers all the time. Sure. Um, So I think, yeah, making it more natural is kind of like part of it. So yes, all that to say, I will talk. (laughs) I prefer a conversational podcast, especially in a pandemic where like I found myself listening to like movie podcasts of two people, like just watching a movie together. And it's like, Oh, I have, I'm hanging out with people. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I got so into YouTube, like whether it's watching like 
people react to whatever music or movies mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm hanging out with my friend right now. Oh, yeah. This formed, person, I have no idea who they actually are. I formed so many parasocial relationships during this. It's very healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. What an interesting thing we all went through. Oh yeah. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, usually now I would ask someone if they're repped, but I do know that you're repped and mm-hmm. you were repped at Bellevue. Mm-hmm. And then is that you say it or is it Bellevue? Uh, I I say Bellevue, so uh, unless okay. I'm wrong, it's Bellevue. <laughs> they you know me. They rep you. I will go with yours. <laughs> and then is uh, you are have a talent agent at APA? Uh, writing agents, yeah. Oh, writing uh, agent. Yeah, okay, I yeah. don't have anybody cool. from acting yet, unless gotcha, anybody gotcha. is listening right now and yeah. wants to yeah pick that up too. For sure, just uh, get, uh drop us a DM. I'll, I'll <laughs> put you two together. <laughs> yeah, I'm your new representative, by the way. I'm no, um. Yeah, that's cool, though. Uh, Bellevue and APA. Uh, mm-hmm. How long have you been repped with them? With them, um, about a year. Uh, Bellevue, I think, was March last year, and APA was March or April last year. Cool. So still relatively new. I mean, still like, relatively new with that. Still exciting. Yeah. I'm sure you had an exciting first year. Um, it, yeah, it was a while. It was a while. It was a pretty wild first year. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll touch on that. Yeah. Uh, so I saw that you were on the 2021 blacklist. Yes. Uh, is that kind of what kicked off you finding a rep or were you already rep? Um, so again, this is kind of a long story. I'll try not to get too specific. Yeah, no, feel um, free. Tell the whole thing. In 2018 or so, I was, I was rep. I got rep by these other people with this other script. Um, I, I, it, I won um, a screenwriting competition that year and mm-hmm. signed with a manager, signed with an agency. That mm-hmm. script ended up not going really anywhere, which is fine. Happens. Yeah, it happens. Um, you know, but I had like 10 to 15 generals off, off of it. I um, got to pitch on a few things. You know, I did a small little rewrite thing. And, but the, when I really started like developing stuff with them, I was just like, oh, I don't think we see my career in the same way. I don't think. I just don't know if this is going to be a good fit. And, but I stayed with them for probably two or three years. Eventually the agency uh, dropped me, which is fair. Um, And then um, I ended up after that, letting my managers go. It just felt like, you know, this whole thing isn't working. Um, So I took this script that I was trying to develop with um, at that time. And I just couldn't get them to like, it's just we weren't getting on the same page with it at all. Mm-hmm. So I was just yeah. like, okay, well, I'm going to use this. I'm going to see. I'm going to enter it in a screenwriting competition because I've. I think it's good. Like mm-hmm. I, we we can't get on the same page. You guys aren't going to do anything with it. Let I. I really think there's something here. And then that script ended up winning uh, script pipeline for slip competition. Yeah. Um, and that's what introduced me to Bellevue and APA. And then that's the script that ended up on the blacklist that year. Cool. Okay. So it wasn't because of the blacklist, but kind no. of at the same time. Right. Uh, it was, all those yeah, things it was, happened. Yeah. It was last year was, you know, went from March to signing to like that script getting on the blacklist at the end of the year. Okay, cool, cool. Isn't it so funny? Uh, I, I had something kind of similar where I uh placed in the nickel in the summer last year. Mm-hmm. That led to me landing a rep in uh my we met in October and officially signed in December. Mm-hmm. And uh and then if a week later, seven days after signing with my manager, I found out that I won um, uh, also the script pipeline first look. Hey, look at us. Drama. Yeah, same thing. 
But um, it was so funny because as it happened, I was like, of course, I was thrilled and over the moon to have won. But I was like, that would have been really nice before I had a manager to mm-hmm. like win a competition because that's what I was like spending hundreds of dollars on this entire time was trying to win a competition so I could sure. get a manager. And yeah. I just love the irony of getting a manager and a week later <laughs> winning my first competition. Finally, yeah, uh, it was just kind of hilarious. But um, and I feel like, you know, with landing on the blacklist, it's just kind of funny. Like, well, I already had the rep and the agent, you know, it's well, just kind of funny. I don't know if like I don't know. Not, I think most scripts in the blacklist are already like repped, you know, like it's it's I think it's pretty rare for That's someone rep to do that. So the annual blacklist, I, I would not have, yeah, on the annual blacklist, which, yeah. you know, is functions differently than the, the, the site. Like, I don't think I would have made the blacklist without my team. So I have to give them so many props for for that happening. Yeah. So, Brian, how would you describe your brand? We all love that word. Yeah, we love that word so much. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, I've definitely thought a lot about it. I do think it's important for writers to kind of know what lane they're in. When I was first coming up and, you know, around the improv stuff, I knew a guy who knew a guy, kind of knew a guy who was like a screenwriter and he was, he was nice enough to take some time to talk to me. And the thing he told me um, was don't be somebody that is known to like, oh, he can write anything because they'll never think of you for for anything in particular. Be somebody that they know who like, oh, this is a this is something that Brian T. Arnold would write, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important as much as I don't like how limiting it can feel because like, when I think about my favorite filmmakers, I think about like Billy Wilder jumping from, you know, the apartment in some like it hot to like Double Indemnity and Sunset Boulevard. And they're just mm-hmm. completely opposite yeah. types of movies. So like part of me is like, well, why do I need a brand? Why can I just do anything I want? But I think it does make sense professionally um, to need one. And so I would say mine is probably in the dramatic comedy, dark comedy area, mm-hmm. um, maybe some sci-fi in there, some magical realism, mm-hmm. uh, but not necessarily. But that's sort of the that's the lane that I've kind of chosen. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, I feel like I'm in a similar place of dramedies. I'm trying to lean more into dark comedy right now. Because nice. what I found, and I don't know if you found this, is the dramedy thing. Uh, I, I love it. I love really mm-hmm. small stories, but mm-hmm. not the most marketable. So now I'm kind of branching out into being like, maybe I'll try something a little more broad comedy because I do love shit like that. Totally. And, uh, and trying to yeah. step into maybe something a little outside of the tiny, tiny indie movie. Oh, totally. And I think yeah. I, I and I think there's a balance that you have to kind of find in terms of. I don't love the term high concept, but I understand it like in terms mm-hmm. of like, and it doesn't have to be like this giant, you know, high concept doesn't mean space invaders. It just means like in, you know, a log line, I can tell you what this movie is, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of the indie dramatic comedy stuff is like, especially like when you're coming up and you don't have like a name to be like, I can make this and it'll be good. Trust me. You Mm. still need to be like, yes, it's like, it's got this tone, but it's about this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think like the, the, the last thing I read the script that's on the blacklist is definitely dramatic comedy, dark comedy, but it's also like got a sci-fi element. Like it's sort of um, eternal sunshine, sort of her, like that kind of vibe. So it sounds like it has, uh, a, a little bit of high concept in it just right. from adding that element like a genre right. element can do that absolutely yeah. so i so yeah i think i think dramatic comedy like indie stuff yeah it's really hard to get a producer really excited for like a sub five billion dollar movie right now mm-hmm. but if you can yeah. find like a way to like 
use your voice in something that is a little more, you know, flashy, I guess, and elevated than like, you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, hopefully. Yeah, that's kind of exactly where I'm at. I'm very, very newly repped. Like I said, December of 21. So it's been a couple months. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I'm in this place right now of finding that like, um, while I, 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 I love the scripts that got me to where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to mm-hmm. get someone super excited and wanting to do it. And I'm already just kind of thinking ahead of like, uh, how can I branch out while still being myself? Because I think totally. it's kind of necessary, especially for those of us who have broken in with like, like you said, the indies that can kind of, uh, you know, almost feel like a Sundance movie, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are amazing when they get made. Oh, you know, 100%. Those are my favorite movies when they're made, but they're not too. always. Yeah. Me too. And like a lot of, some of my favorite movies are just like, you know, uh, uh, a guy and his grandfather uh, who have this weird complex past spend five days together. Sure. No, and that's I, like it. Whereas yeah. that's not the sexiest log line that there is out there, but <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it's going to be an amazing character movie. I'm sure. Yeah. Those are mostly the kind of movies that I feel like you have to make yourself or develop some kind of like, Oh, I've made this great thing. Now like watch, I'm going to make something small, but like, it's me guys. You can, you can trust yeah. me. Like it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's that so thing like, of uh, one for me and one for them. Yeah. Sort yeah. of like going back and forth, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Awesome. Uh, very cool. And I also agree with you that it's, it's a good thing to have a good sense of your brand. If nothing else, every general you take, you're going to kind of be touching on just who you are and you mm-hmm. want to have the most succinct, easy way of putting that. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so since everyone's writing routine is unique, I don't think mm-hmm. I've met any two screenwriters who have the same way of attacking writing, right. which I find fascinating. Uh, what, how would you describe your regular writing routine? Like, is, are you a morning person, night person, mm-hmm. afternoon? Do you need caffeine? Do you just sit and drink water? Like what, what's it kind of like for you on average when you sit down to write? Uh, I need to get better at having a routine. I'll be honest. Like, it's not mm-hmm. something I've always been sort of, a, um, like I just let an idea percolate a while. And then when it's like ready, then I'm just going to write as quick as I can. Mm-hmm. The, that first script that, uh, from the screen competition, like in 2018, I think like I had just finished the, the CBS, uh, comedy showcase. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, Oh, I need to write a feature. Nichols due pretty soon I think what's what's when is that due and it was in seven days so I was like all right I'm gonna write a feature in seven days so I holy shit really I did yeah I wrote a first draft of that thing in seven days and it was like all overnights like I was writing from like seven or eight in the morning at night until like five or six in the morning and going to sleep waking up really kicking back in again Mm -hmm. and wasn't not sustainable don't recommend it not healthy um so but it was just like born out of like desperation and that's when i felt most creative because at that time especially i was on comedy at night so i was like this is when i'm most like this is when i'm creative Uh um after that it's become much more of a well i want to be a human being and have a life and be awake in the daytime so i'm going to like i need to like refine like a focus so like my routine mostly nowadays is i try to get up relatively early and do the things that you have to do to be a human you know you get your workout and you eat some food you like okay and then clear that out of the way and then by 10 11 12 depending on the day like okay now i'm sitting down to write and i'm gonna do this for five or six hours and i do have like a desk set up like in my i have like a little office that i 
try to use, but I'm also, I don't know why, but most of the time I find myself writing like on my couch or in bed. And like, it's just mm-hmm. like, this isn't my, my, I'm too old. My neck and back can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I need to like, I need to be sitting at my desk. So yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to take these terrible habits and turn them into like an actual routine. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you totally. Um, yeah, I've recently discovered that I'm more of a night person for writing. I, I every time I try to write in the morning, it's so much harder. But then sure. at night, uh, I love just locking in. I don't know what it is. Um, and, and that was something I recently discovered. So yeah, weird. I've weird. been writing for years. And re- very recently, I was like, I'm switching to nights. <laughs> it's weird how that works. And maybe I need, maybe I'll end up doing that again. But it's yeah. kind of for me, like I said, like I still probably do this too often. Like I know, like, you know, I, I don't remember, there's an author I read about, I can't remember who it was, but he was like, he just treated it like a day job. Like every morning I get up, I, I get on the treadmill, I stop doing that. And then I sit down and I write, then I have dinner with my family. And mm-hmm. I just like, yeah. I, like, that's great. I, you know, I don't write until I'm writing, you know what I mean? Like, it's all just building and building until like, holy shit, I got to get all of this down now. And that's, yeah, it's good. I mean, it, it's worked for me historically, but now that like, this is kind of my job, um, I have to be a little bit better about, about it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all weird artsy people, so yeah. we're allowed to be completely psychotic in our, I hope so. uh, in our routines. Uh, cool. Uh, so just a little bit different from that, but, uh, sure. could you describe your process? Like when you have a new idea, brand new idea pops in your head and you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, I think that's something. Do you like jump into an outline? Do you write like a log line? Do you write a title? Do you just start writing pages? What's the usual first step for you whenever you have a brand new idea? Um, it changes when you're wrapped, or at least it does for it did for me. And I mm-hmm. think it does for a lot of people. I don't know if you've noticed this yet mm-hmm. or if your reps work differently than, than mine, uh-huh. but like, it used to be, you know, I would like, Oh, I think I have an idea. Let me stew on it for a minute. Let me start writing it. Let me start, let me put down a log line to see if I understand what this is. Let me, you know, start writing it. Nowadays it's like, Oh, I have an idea. Let me put it on a list of nine other ideas and let uh-huh. me send that over to, to my reps and we can talk about them and see what's exciting. What's not. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so it's, it's a little less like impulsive than it used to be. Now it's very much like, let's all talk together, figure out what this is. Um, but once we, so once that point's done, once like, okay, now we have like, this is your next thing. We all agree. Um, then it's sort of, for me, it's like, I I really start with the log line because I think, I think you, at least for me personally, if I can't distill what this is in one to two sentences, I'm not ready to write it yet. It, It comes back to that, like, sort of like high concept thing. Like it doesn't have to be the biggest concept, but it has to be like a clear enough idea. Like this is why this is a movie in one or two sentences. And this is the emotional core. This is the character. This is the focus. Um, So once I kind of have that log line, I start um, kind of delving into like the influences, you know, like I'll start the research phase of like, well, I'm going to watch everything that like has, has like led me to like this and I'll like Mm -hmm. surround myself with those movies and TV shows to sort of just feel like I'm getting into that world. Um, My outlines, I, I, historically, I wasn't a huge outliner, uh, but that's definitely something my, my, my reps are very much, um, 
development people. So they, they want me to outline a little bit more and I'm working on it. But yeah. historically, I think coming from improv, like what I would like to do is like, I know like the big five or six moments. I know how it starts. I know the inciting incident. I know the midpoint. I know the end of the second act. I know the climax. I know the ending. Yep. And then like anything else, like I am going to feel my way through it. Yeah. Um, and that's how it always was. And now it's a little bit more, I, I, I still can do that, but I have to do it a little bit more in the outline. And when mm -hmm. I, I actually talked to John about this when I was, you know, taking meetings and trying to decide who I was going to be, you know, be managed by, yeah. I was like, cause he, he's, he made it very clear. Like we love to develop and I was, we love to see outlines. We love to see it through the whole process. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'll be honest, like, that hasn't been my process. So what if I do an outline and it just feels wrong? And I'm just like, when I start writing it, like, it's like, okay, this character wouldn't say this. I'm only having him say this because he has to get to this next story point. Like mm -hmm. this isn't going to work. And John's mm -hmm. like, well, then if that happens, just tell me it doesn't work anymore. And, and then fix it and go and keep going. I'm like, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. If that's all, if that's all it is. Then, then great. Yeah. I, I, that's a similar experience I've had with my rep being so newly repped is just mm -hmm. kind of feeling out how do we work together? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, and, and it's not even a sense of like, Oh God, I don't think that we're, we're clicking or anything like that. It's just mm -hmm. literally like, you know, this is a working relationship. How do you, how, how does your brain work? basically, right. because then I know, like, like, you know, if I was in your shoes, this is how John's going to feel about mm -hmm. this, you know, or mm -hmm. if he says this, that doesn't mean this crazy thing that my negative brain wants to make right. up about me sucking at writing. It doesn't right. mean that at all, right. you know, because I totally am so quick to jump into like, oh my God, they fucking hate it. And me too. I'm not yeah. supposed to be here. And like, what am I doing? Uh, so yeah, a lot of it for me has been just like asking questions and being like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm, I apologize ahead of time if I'm being socially weird right now, sure. but I just need to ask you this thing about your personality and like, you know, like just kind of feeling it out. I don't know. I'm definitely, I've had moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm so weird. But, I mean, um, my, my first instinct yeah. when John said, like, we need you to develop, like, with us, we need you to, like, outline my first instinct of this, of this, like, leaping to things was just like, that's not how I write. That's not like, how am I going to be able to function under this kind of writing style? Like, this isn't how I've always done things. Mm -hmm. But the second I asked him, like, you know, what happens if I'm feeling like this isn't working, then he's like, well, then change it and tell me. I'm like, oh. oh. Okay. So like the, the key, I think to like a decent manager relationship is just like double, like we're communicating and we like, yes. you know, it, that's all it is, is just like, you know, I, I I've had, you know, situations where I felt like I wasn't being like necessarily that they weren't being honest with me and, or they just were not taking time to communicate versus like, you know, John and Bellevue and Kate, both of Bellevue are mm. very much more, you know, like, yeah, if you have a question, like tell us and like, you're, we're going to tell you exactly what we think. You might not always, you know, we might shoot down an idea that you love, but like, we'll tell you why. Yeah. And I appreciate that more than just like, you know, either don't make don't just make me feel good like let's let's figure out how to how to go yes because i mean like and also you know uh their success as a company and as mm -hmm. individuals does you know it's intertwined with your success as a writer it's mm -hmm. a team sport you mm -hmm. know once you get reps and everything like that you are all a team uh, yeah. it's not just brian out there on his own so like um yeah we all gotta make each other look good you know 
Yeah, for sure. And like, you, I mean, that's any relationship too, not just a working relationship. Communication's key. Mm, so disagree. Um, disagree there. Yeah, secrets usually work really well in romantic relationships. <laughs> Got to keep it spicy. Don't let them know everything. No, no. Uh, yeah, I like though that you really were specific about how things, just how things changed for you in your process once you get repped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's an interesting thing that a lot of us, that a lot of uh, unrepped writers who are getting close to being repped, it's just something to think about moving forward is that mm-hmm. like things are going to change. And one of the, I think the most successful people in any, any industry, but especially ours are the people who are willing to be fluid and mm-hmm. just uh, be able to change on the go and adapt. Um, super important. Yeah, definitely. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. The Social Screenwriters Podcast is sponsored by Brave Maker, a 501c3 nonprofit film organization dedicated to supporting filmmakers and elevating brave voices for justice, diversity, and inclusion. With screenwriting workshops, weekly live shows on YouTube, and a full production team, Brave Maker is a growing creative studio, production company, and creative community, both in person and online. Do you have a finished film looking for a film festival screening? Submit your film at bravemaker.com/fest, and you could be screening your short or feature in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area at our annual festival in person July 7th through 10th, 2022 in Redwood City, California. Do you need fiscal sponsorship to raise tax-deductible funds to get your film into production? Go to BraveMaker.com and apply to have your project considered and get ongoing support to help makers of all kinds achieve their filmmaking goals. Brave stories change the world and you are the story. Find out more at BraveMaker.com and follow us on Instagram and YouTube at BraveMakerOrg. So on average, how long does it take you for a first draft to be complete once you actually start writing pages? Once I start writing pages, like, I mean, that, that, that one week was a fluke. Like that should, yeah, that yeah. Was, that, that of course. shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was definitely a mistake in every possible way. Real quick. How was that script? How do you like it? Do you still like, is that, that something that's still on the table? That actually, not, this is going to sound so shitty and maybe a little braggy, but that, <laughs> no, the no, script, let us know. The script that I wrote in a week, the first draft of it that year was, I think, top 10% of nickel, like just missed the quarterfinals. Oh, so shit. I was like, oh man, this is like, I, like, this is sloppy as hell and it's close. That's uh, amazing. A seven day draft. R- r- yeah. And then like I did, I did tweaks on it and eventually that script did, um, is the one that ended up winning launchpad. Uh, competition that year uh, oh like, amazing like a year late but like so i ended up loving it but it did take more work than just those seven days yeah. um well, i'm a firm a- believer too that like a lot of scripts you know they can be in really rough shape but like especially dramas and stuff dramedy mm-hmm. dark comedy well this is a political uh, thriller but yeah <laughs> oh was it really okay, <laughs> yeah, okay it was. I, was, I was just about to say that like my first script i ever finished Mm-hmm. was a feature and it did well right out of the gate and i think it was not because of the craft side of it but mm-hmm. that it just had heart you know yeah. and like sometimes you can just feel that shit in a script that's a little messy but you're like man it's got heart though yeah absolutely um, i think there's yeah. so much intangible to it like the right like there could be the most technically proficient like script that just like you know hits all the right beats but like just there's it's just missing you know it's maybe paint by numbers is kind of the feeling of it versus like this one still needs some work but like man this person felt it you know yep yeah this is coming from a real place and you can feel it um i I cut you off though i'm sorry Uh, so the seven day draft was a fluke but how long on average (laughs) on average probably two to three months like i'm definitely 
maybe maybe longer depending um mm. i'm not the fastest writer and like unfortunately i try to Me be either uh i try to be faster uh but i i also like i'm the, the kind of person who will like i i as i'm writing i'm still i'm going back and rewriting like on the way mm -hmm. so like it takes me maybe a little bit longer than than other people but at the same time i feel like by the time i get to a the end of a first draft like hopefully it's closer to like a second draft or third draft because i've been like mm -hmm. reworking it the whole way yeah. um so i would say three months is probably like a good floor maybe sometimes a little bit more honestly yeah, I'm kind of the same. I'm a slow writer, but also it's because I'm so obsessive about rewriting as I write mm -hmm. or just trying to get things perfect. I really um, I really admire and in some ways I'm jealous of, but in some ways I like the way I do it. But in some ways I'm jealous of people who can just do the vomit draft and just mm -hmm. keep moving and moving and moving. Uh, I can't do that. I have to dwell on scenes and be like, why is this not working on the very first pass? I am why is such, this scene not feeling perfect? I am uh, such a dweller, like in terms yeah. of that also. Like, yes, yeah. in terms of like, if I, if the scene isn't exactly right, there's no way I can move on. Uh -huh. uh, but I'm such a dweller that like, I'm also a person who's like, there is a song for this scene that is perfect and I will not be able to write this scene until I know what this song is. Yeah. And I will spend <laughs> five hours going through like Apple music, like, which is the song, which is the song until yep. like, I, I have to like, yeah, I'm not going to vomit draft either. I have to yep. like, at least be very specific of this is, this is close enough. Like this is what yep. it needs to be. Yeah. And the irony of that, too, I don't know if you uh, actually put the song in the script, but I have the same thing is like I, there's a song for this that lyrically fits the theme and the feel and the tone. Mm -hmm. And I just need to hear it so I can think about mm -hmm. that. Uh, but it's not going to make it into the screenplay. And I don't have this delusional thought that it's for sure going to be in the movie. Like they're definitely going to get it cleared. I don't well, think that either. Sure. Oh, did you I, write a musical that's all based no, on Beatles songs? I didn't write a music. I, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say anything, but I did write, um, what was it, Yesterday? Is that what it was called? The movie about the Beatles not existing anymore? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was at the very bottom of your website. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention <laughs> it. Um, uh, no, I. It's, so I do, like, one of the first movies, like when I was getting into the indie Sundance stuff, one mm -hmm. of the first movies that really connected with me, and I don't know how well it holds up, and I know the internet's kind of turned on it a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. was Garden State. And that oh, yeah. movie, the soundtrack to that movie lived in my brain. Where, oh, so perfect. good. So, so good. now I still put music cues in my script. And, like, for um, to the point that when John signed me, he was like, look, um, you can have, you could, I will let you keep five, but you got to take out the other 10. Like I had like 15 music. That's so funny. Cause I was going to say five is awful generous. And that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I get it though, because I'm taking it. You're a music lover. Um, Damn, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. Like I, I have a couple specific music cues in this shit that I've written, but mm -hmm. not that many, because I, I also believe that possible lie that they tell you about don't put specific songs in there and da, 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 da. But I think if your writing is the shit, it doesn't matter, but you'll cross that bridge when you get there. I think it's the kind of thing where that's just a very easy note to give of like this, this script has some problems. And because I see that it has problems, I can point to this as a problem. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I can point to like, this feels a little like that you're not quite there yet. And like, just so you know, most scripts don't have the music cues. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I think at a certain point, like maybe if I had all 15 in there, I, maybe people would have said something, but like uh-huh. in all the meetings they had and you know, the script is end up, you know, it, uh, being optioned and, um, who is in you know development right now like mm-hmm. who knows if they'll end up going with the songs that are in it but like nobody was like take them out you know what i mean so yeah. i don't think it matters that much as long as like people are connecting to the movie i love that you say that from firsthand experience because i think there's about like 50 popular screenwriting rules out there that are actually bullshit when, whenever you cross that bridge with like a quote-unquote gatekeeper and mm-hmm. then you just hear it out of their mouth that they're like, oh, I don't care. And you're yeah, like, for the most really? Part, yeah. Because that's been gospel on the internet that you don't do this. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I think that part of it is, you know, the luck of the draw with readers in terms of like, whether it's a contest or whether it's, you know, an intern or an assistant at a company that moves it up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be, you know, it might be somebody who, is a stickler for those rules and like Mm -hmm. follows those blogs and like, then, yeah, then in that case, you've given them a reason to say no. Um, And a lot of times people look for those reasons to say no, but Mm -hmm. also a lot of those rules, like when you get to the people who are higher up, the script hopefully gets to most of them don't care. Most of them are just like, did you write a script that made me feel something or that I feel like I made a lot of money with like, in which case, like, great. Then who cares about the rest of it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, some rules matter, but it's really amazing. Yeah. When you find out just how many no one gives a shit about. And it's this thing that us writers who just want so badly to break into the industry have Mm -hmm. all kind of made up as a collective. It's like a herd mentality thing. We're looking for reasons why we're not making it yet. And That's, that's very true. It's like a way of protecting ourselves. Yeah. And it's, and it's, we're we're still growing as writers and like you know i i wrote plenty of scripts that are dog shit that you know and (laughs) i think everybody has or if they haven't they well one of my friends got on the blacklist with like the first feature she ever wrote and i'm very upset yeah but we all hate her yeah Yeah, (laughs) no she's the best she's the best but um (laughs) but most of us have just awful scripts in our background but like of course and we're looking for the reasons why you know like what what do i need to do differently and you're looking at the rules and you're trying but it's you know eventually you're just a better writer to the point where the rules once you know them you can like play with them and break them or not care about some of them like the only Mm -hmm. rule is like does it look like a movie script um is, is the structure right and is it good like those that's kind of it that's kind of it yeah Yeah. i would agree and i think that's something that like like you said as you build confidence Mm -hmm. um that's something that i've learned along the way is that like you know in the beginning follow the rules learn the rule it's that thing learn the rules so you know when to break them but as you kind of get further along and get some positive feedback on your stuff and you kind of build that confidence you do kind of learn, especially also from reading good scripts, mm-hmm. you do kind of learn at a certain point that like, yeah, literally none of that shit matters if it's a good story. Yeah. If it's a good story and it's like readable, 
you know, yeah. like as long it as it's like, to really look cool. like a screenplay and <laughs> yeah, look like a know. screenplay and have some good uh, level of pacing that feels kind of easy. Yeah. You don't have to work yeah. super hard to get page to page. They, but, um, you know, it's, story it's not is what matters. Yeah, yeah. Story is what matters the most. I remember, you know, <laughs> it was funny though, like after I got on the, the blacklist, you know, the scripts in the blacklist usually like leak every year. So I know my mm-hmm. scripts like sort of out there, at least a draft of it is out there on the internet in places. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I saw on Reddit that, um, that like somebody read like all 10 of the top 10 of the blacklist and like, what lesson did you take away from every script and the mm-hmm. top 10? And the lesson they took away from my script was um, typos don't matter as much as you think they will. Oh, the script, this script had several typos and like it's still on the and still on the blacklist so like you know it's like was there other stuff that was that was their only that was their only oh lesson from <laughs> that is so funny i would be dying laughing if that was mine uh, it killed that's me so a little funny. bit and, uh, yeah but like that's what yeah. like even like little typos that you freak out about after you hit send like a few of them don't matter as long as the script's not like sloppy and gross and this person doesn't know how to write mm-hmm. like you know like we need to all take a collective breath of like just do our best and tell the best story we can and let the rules not dictate our lives as hard as I think we do sometimes after you've learned them and you know know how to ignore them yes definitely agree uh awesome so whenever your first draft is complete after that you know Mm -hmm. three months give or take of writing uh what is the first thing that you do do you send it to you know peers do you have a writing group um, do you do another revision on your own? Do you like to put it away for a little bit and then read it a couple weeks later? Uh, and I know at some point you send to your reps, but like mm-hmm. for you personally, what is the first thing that you do when you finish your first draft? Um, I can't recommend enough to people, especially like starting out, how important a writer's group is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, my writer's group will see the basic outline or whatever version of outline I have before my reps do usually they'll see the first draft before like I, I want you know you know I, I never want to send my reps a first draft I want to send them you know uh, yeah. the first draft that they see but it's probably my <laughs> second third fourth draft before yeah. they see it because you know, just it's a little bit peer-reviewed at that point yeah a little bit peer-reviewed at that point yeah. so like yep. I, I think having a writer's group is important one for just like you know making your shit better but two also because like writing is so long a process and lonely a process that like and you know the the business is so opaque a lot of the time where it's hard to know you know how to like what is what are other people going through it's so like it's like you don't hear a lot of the the failure stories from just like twitter or from like other writers like you need Mm -hmm you need a group to like celebrate the successes and empathize with the failures. Um, So yeah, my my first thing I always do is like, I have some other readers outside of the group who are like friends or family, Mm -hmm. but like the writer's group is essential before I, and then once I have their notes, maybe I'll sit on them for like a week, maybe like just to see how they feel. But then I, I usually they're pretty, I'm very lucky. My writer's group is fantastic. Everybody is reps two three of us now have been on the blacklist like it's just a fantastic group that i'm super lucky to have and they mm-hmm. they make everything better yeah. and um so like those notes usually are instantly like 
that's interesting or that's inspiring. Let me think, okay, yep. let me try this. And yep. like, I'm, I don't let it rest as long as I probably would if it was just me trying to figure it out because mm-hmm. I'm just instantly inspired to like jump in. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what is right up in our blind spots. Oh yeah. That's right. You know what I mean? Someone says yeah. something and it just pulls the curtain back and you're like, Holy shit. How oh, did yeah. I not think of that? Huge, but that's huge. why we need peers. Yeah, absolutely. So like, yeah, yeah, the writer's group is the first stop and then reps and then hopefully the world. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would second writer's groups. I'm not in one right now, but I have been in them and I love the experience. And like, honestly, one of the things too, is that like, especially cause you said, you know, everyone in your group is wrapped. You're kind of all like in similar positions. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of important for writer's groups too. Like if you're a complete newbie, you know, find other people and you guys will all learn together you know, and kind of come up together. And then, you know, for people who are repped, you're kind of able to discuss the business and like what it's like trying to actually make this the career, the only career now, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a whole nother battle than just learning how to screenwrite. A thousand Uh, percent. Yeah. It's it's a thing. I think it's important to be able to like rise and fall with people. Like you, like the first thing I did when I moved to LA, like within a month, I was in a screenwriting group. Cause I think, uh, I'm sorry, not a screenwriting group. I was in an improv class, like within a month and Mm -hmm. I met other writers and actors and people through that. Like, I think the first thing you need to do to like embark on something as tough as like working in this industry is have people and like find your, find your group as fast as you can. And Mm -hmm. and like back in West Virginia, I had people that I made stuff with and were great people. But like, if you, if you are somewhere other than LA or like, and you don't think that exists in your community, um, the internet is such like a, you know, there's screen on Twitter and like, it's so easy. It's so much easier to find a writer's group in zoom or whatever, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I think just, yeah, I think that's my first piece of advice for like anybody who wants to do this is like find other people who want to do it and like, yep. and get together. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that you could second this, but uh, something I didn't expect from being in writer's groups that it was such a welcome thing was um, you learn so much even when it's not your week to have your work uh, read and analyzed, just being an active participant in other people's work being read. Mm -hmm. And someone says something about how, Oh, this character, maybe this could make their arc stronger, blah, 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 blah. Nothing Mm -hmm. to do with your writing, but I'm learning all these lessons and being like, Oh shit, that kind of, that kind of is similar to what I'm my dilemma in my own work. And like, you just keep learning about analyzing story and Mm -hmm. all these things. So sometimes even just listening and being an active participant will also make you a better writer, not just having your work critiqued. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I, um, yeah, like I didn't go to film school. Like I, like we talked about, like Mm -hmm. I I had one screenwriting class that wasn't very good. And you know, there's no rule, there's a rule against writing comedy. So it was just like, I feel like I'm wasting my time in this class. Wow. Uh, the screenwriter, the, the professor was, you know, uh, comedy is too hard. Nobody can do it. Like that's the one genre you're not allowed to write in this class. I thought he was like a failed comedy writer. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> He's um, all jaded. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, that's what it felt like for sure. Um, yeah. but with all due respect, he's a lovely man. Uh, um, for sure, for sure. but like, yeah, so like, um, so I never got that film school experience. So like, yeah, learning, 
listening to other people read their stuff and being, you know, other people critiquing and like, we're all, I feel like learning together and like, you don't necessarily not knocking film school. I, you know, wish I could have afforded it. I, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was growing up, but it's, um, but like, you can still have that experience and growth and learning. Like that's all still out there outside of film school. Absolutely. I went to film school. And I will say that having done it firsthand, yes, it is very helpful and it kind of expedited the whole process for me learning and being in, you know, five different classes a semester where we are reading and critiquing each other. However, everything that I learned in film school, you can do without film school. You can. You you just have to be active enough in seeking out writers groups, seeking out Mm -hmm. people who are also interested in production looking at you know no film school or mm-hmm. is that what it's called no film school it's like a youtube channel i think so yeah <clears throat> and website I, yeah i've definitely visit i think that's the right yeah even like film riot i know that's one for sure but there mm-hmm. youtube is an endless resource of mm-hmm. everything that you're going to learn in film school yeah um so yeah i i second that that like you know if you can't afford film school don't fret you can do it all on your own. It's going to be a little bit tougher, but you'll yeah. have more money when all is said yeah. and done. <laughs> I going to like as much as weird as it, you know, I, I do kind of feel like, you know, not going to film school, studying broadcast journalism. Maybe it took me longer than it yeah. would take other people. But at the same time, you know, your journey is your journey and you can't, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not just because you can't go to film school or can't afford film school doesn't mean like, well, I'm never going to make it. You don't need it. No. Yeah. And I mean, also, you know, even if it did take longer, all those experiences that you were having in the meantime mm-hmm. have made you part of who you are as a writer and probably found their way into your work. And oh, yeah, uh, that's yeah, for sure. Just how it goes. Uh, so I feel like you sort of gave a hint to this. Oh, OK. But um, do you have a? And also, this is a question that, like, if you're not comfortable answering it, I'll cut it. Uh, but do you have a day job? Or are you writing now full time? Uh, I'm comfortable with this question. It's fine. Okay. Um, cool. I'm. I. I don't have a day job. Writing currently is my is my day job. Amazing. I, it's it's fantastic. I fully expect yeah. it to go away. I fully yeah. expect to be back <laughs> in an office within a couple of years, for sure, uh, or sooner. But no, it's it's. I, I was lucky enough that um, you know, in the end, was you know, optioned and. I, you know, I was paid for, you know, rewrites and that kind of thing, the development process. Yeah. So yeah. like enough yeah, to keep the dream alive for enough to keep the dream alive longer, for a while. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. um, you know, I, I, I took that opportunity and I've it, being in LA, like, you know, moving out here, I can't tell you how many different jobs I've had here, like in terms mm-hmm. of just like having to stay alive. Um, yeah. And so I, I fully expect to one day be doing that again, uh, but hopefully not. Hopefully this, you know, keeps going the direction it's been going the last year. And, you know, this is just my job. We'll see. Yeah, no, I hope so. And that's, that's how it starts for everyone who, you know, their primary profession continues to be filmmaking, screenwriting. Mm -hmm. At some point you're just like, Oh my God, I hope I get paid again someday. I just really, (laughs) really hope that happens because yeah. uh, Yeah, no, that's awesome. And so cool to hear that it uh, it's all worked out. So, I mean, if nothing else, people listening, like it does happen even to us, regular people, you know, who have (laughs) a similar trajectory of just like entering contests and you're working your day job and it happened. It can happen. It does. It does happen. And you know, I've, I've seen it happen for others and it, seems to be happening for me right now and hopefully it hopefully it keeps going yeah i love it uh so 
I know you said you kind of took a step back from improv and sketch and mm-hmm. stuff, but like right now at this point in your life, what are some hobbies outside of screenwriting that kind of help keep you sane? You know, we mm-hmm. can't all do this 24 seven. So uh, do you have anything yeah. outside of this that you like to do to take your mind off it? Oh man, the pandemic killed so many of those hobbies, you know, For that sure. I used to do. I, I used to like play in a dodgeball league and a basketball league. Um, nice. I'd go to, you know, I love live music. I go to a lot of concerts and movies and so forth. Um, you know, these days I'm looking for the, for the nice solo, mostly activities or small group activities. Yep. So a lot of outdoor activities. I've gotten into running in the last, in the last few months, yeah. um, yoga in the last like couple of years. Um, I cook a lot. I like to cook. I'm one of those people who's like Instagram is mostly dinners I made. Yeah. Uh, That's that's, awesome. That's probably most of them. I play Wordle every day, which is very important. There you Uh, go. Puzzles. That's most of our number one hobby now is Wordle. <laughs> um, yeah, that's rad. I just kind of want, I always want, I'm always interested, you know, and yeah, totally. What are you, you know. what are you, what are you doing that I'm not doing? What should I be doing for fun? Cause I'm, I, I think I've forgotten how to have, to well, have the fun. only things that I do, honestly, I'm a big hockey fan. I love okay. watching hockey. That's hockey, actually yeah. the nerdy thing about me is that's why I pushed our interview an hour <laughs> earlier is because when we're going to be done, a hockey game's coming on and I was like, I want to watch the first period. But, it's totally um, fine. I, when you put yeah. when you did push it earlier, I was like, "Oh, what's, I got to watch this basketball game. Basketball game will be over in time." So like, oh okay, shit, fine, okay. Oh, that's so. Funny. It was. It, it definitely ended in time. We're fine. Okay, sweet. We, sweet. we lost, so don't worry. I didn't want to feel bad. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> I, I still try to skateboard, even though I'm going to be 34 this year, and that's getting harder and harder. Uh, it 34 hurts is not that bad. I've I've been 34 no. for a while. You'll be all right. No, well, thank you. All right, cool. I got that firsthand. Uh, uh, I mean, my neck hurts all the time, but other than that. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, is that like when I fall skateboarding, it, it hurts, but also it like, <laughs> it weirdly like makes me feel alive because like, sure. I don't know, uh, you know, the, the, uh, I've had periods of like my twenties and into my thirties where I didn't skateboard for a long time. And it's something I did as a kid. And then mm-hmm. I found that like, whenever I go skate, it like almost takes me back to being a kid. And it weirdly like does a lot of good for my mental health. Oh yeah. It's so, yeah. It's so important to like find those things that like give you, like, I think running, I I was never a runner. I was always like a, you know, I was very unathletic as a child. I tried, Mm -hmm. uh, I love sports. I was terrible at them. Me too. Um, but like, yeah, getting into running and stuff was like, Oh, this, I hate that this makes me feel this good. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm the same Um, way. I think I started running like, four or five years ago. Yeah. And uh, never would have thought I'd be a runner. I was actually a cigarette uh-huh. smoker for a long time in my teens and early twenties. Yeah. So it was out of the question. But mm-hmm. um, then I was like late twenties, like, Oh fuck, I need to like try to be healthy or I'm going to die in like a yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's kind of where I've been at too. <laughs> yeah. So finding those, and then you learn to love it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, like I'm having like a story issue and I'm just like, there's no way that in my current state of sitting here, I'm going to move past it. So I mm-hmm. need to just throw on some running shoes and just go out and just run and yeah, just the, like get away. What and, do they call it? The the shower principle, like getting like away from mm-hmm. it and like focusing on something else, like getting in like a shower, like yeah. freeze up those things. I know I had a, yeah. 
I had a notes call with the producers of, of the, of in the end. Um, uh-huh. and I, and there's like just a small thing that's like, you know, going to be like, okay, that's going to need to change. Mm-hmm. And I hung up and I was just like, I don't know how that, that does that change too much. I don't know how to even address this. And I was like, I just took a walk within like 10 minutes. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, like uh-huh. I got, I, I figured it out. Like it's just sitting in front of it for too long breaks you like you just can't find it yeah. that way you gotta you gotta find something to get your mind off of it like that's yeah. so important i heard someone say that aaron sorkin will take like four to five showers a day sometimes more <laughs> because he's having story issues and he just like looks at it as a reset every time that he takes a shower i have a really good friend who i don't know if they'll want me to name him uh, uh, but i know that he also takes like four or five showers a day and he calls it a reset so I, so I wonder funny. if he got that from Sorkin or if it's just a writer tick that some writers have. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. And I, I can't even remember. Um, I'm pretty sure that was Sorkin. I feel really bad putting his name out there if it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but I think can, it was. Let's, we can make up all the stuff we want about Sorkin. Like, I would love to. Uh, well, <laughs> that's actually like the side podcast that I'm starting. It's just lies about Sorkin. And uh, I bring on new guests and we just make shit up about Sorkin. That's not true. Yeah, I mean. Um, so brian of the scripts that you've written which is your favorite and why uh man that's hard i it's another tough one i think isn't there always recency bias almost always isn't it like this thing that i just wrote is definitely like the best i'll ever write i think like (laughs) yeah like 90 percent of the time when i ask people that that's what it is it's like well the thing i'm working on now you know, well, the thing I'm working on right now, finished. I don't know. Yeah, the thing I'm working on right now, who knows? I don't know if I'll, who knows if I'll love that thing or throw it away. But sure. like in the end, you know, it's hard to like, you know, so much of my career where it's at right now, I owe to that script. And it's mm-hmm. a very personal script in a lot of ways. Like it is sci-fi. It is, you know, removed in different ways. But like there's so much of me in it that mm-hmm. is just like very personal um, sure. that you know, I, I, it was definitely a thing that I wanted to protect and a thing that I loved. And then to, and then to not only write the thing that you love to have that also be the thing that kind of gets your career moving. And like, it's hopefully heading toward being a movie. Like, you know, I, I, who knows if it'll ever be this good again. Yeah. And which one is this? I'm sorry. This is in the end. In the end. I was going to say it, but I didn't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I'm the same way, you know, no matter what happens in my career, I kind of think of the script that helped to sort of break me in for the very Mm -hmm. first time uh, being so personal to me and so much of me on the page Mm -hmm. uh, that, yeah, I think that I have to kind of hold, even though I I am always tempted to say the one that I'm working on now, because like I'm just immersed in that world and I'm excited. If you're not excited about it, then it kind of sucks writing it. Oh, totally. You You have to be excited about it. And also that's what the executives want to hear. Like the thing you're working on now is your favorite thing. Holy shit. I want that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Even if you have to lie, remember that to (laughs) everyone listening is that you will lie, cheat and steal your way into this industry. Uh, Cut people's throats, even if they've been good to you. Uh, Aaron Sorkin says that all the time. Like the thing I'm working on right now, like Lucy, this Lucy movie is better than a few good men. Trust me on this. Yep. Like that's just what he does. And he's just shouting it from the shower. Uh, yeah. That's really interesting. Five times a day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So Brian, what is a recent accomplishment that you're proud of screenwriter related? Maybe, but it doesn't have to be. 
man. Um, again, it's just it's like time to gloat about yourself. Let's go. Yeah, I'll do it. I, yeah, <laughs> I. This is one thing I love. It's positive attention. Let me let me brag a minute. And we're um, all from Twitter, aren't we? <laughs> um, I, I. It's hard for me to get over how much happened last year for like yes. as, as, as much of a, as much of a shitty year as it was in so many ways and, mm-hmm. you know, isolating and, and tough mm-hmm. to get through, like from a career perspective, you know, I went from, you know, letting go of my reps and wondering if I was ever going to be repped again mm-hmm. to, you know, within a couple months, like by March, having new managers, new agents within a couple months, that script was optioned a few months later, you know, it's on the blacklist. Like I don't Mm. mean to like, I'm, I, I know that can sound braggy probably, but I feel so lucky and so blessed that like that year happened for me, you know? Mm. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't say enough just how crazy and overwhelmed uh, last year like really made me feel. So I, that's what I'll, I'm going to carry that with me for a while. No, I love that answer. And I don't think it's braggy at all. I think it's honest. Um, I know for me, <clears throat> having just gotten rep for the first time and like then, you know, a couple things that I can't really talk about are pretty exciting that have happened since then. Right. Isn't it fun to have things you can't talk about? Oh my God. It's so good. <laughs> especially when you're someone, like you said, like you love positive attention. Yeah. If you, if any of you, which I'm sure all of you follow me on Twitter, if you're even listening to this, you know that I'm an attention whore. I love it. I'm always trying to be the center of it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's been painful. But um, I will say though, like, like you said, how it's just like this kind of like cascade, like this spiral of like, oh my God, things are better than I ever could have asked. And then another Mm -hmm. good thing just happened. And it's Mm -hmm. like, what is happening? Like, Mm -hmm. I can't even keep up. And that does sound braggy. Now that I'm saying it, it sounds good. (laughs) But like- It sounds braggy coming out of your own mouth, but it doesn't doesn't sound braggy to me when you say it though. Okay, good. That's that's a good measuring stick. Like, but yeah, I guess it's just honesty. But like, um, yeah, it's that thing- um, again, if you're not like a weirdly entitled person, it's like, I don't, at some point you're just like, do I deserve all yeah, of these sure. good things that keep happening? Like, this is sure. insane. This doesn't feel real. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I think that's a really awesome answer. Um, Cause I know that myself too, I'm incredibly proud of like just everything that happened because on some one hand you're like, do I deserve it? But then on the other hand, you're like, well, I did write that thing. You know, and yeah. I did write I did write those other things that made them interested in actually committing to me. Right. Um, and now I'm working every day to hold up my end of this bargain. And so it's like, yeah, you know, I did earn it. Yeah, it's this weird balance that I think we have to have between imposter syndrome, which keeps us, I guess, a little bit humble, yeah. and this um narcissistic belief that we're good enough to succeed in this impossible business. So it's like yeah. this weird balancing act of like. I, I know I'm good enough. I know I can do this or else I wouldn't be trying, mm-hmm. but also like, um, who, who the fuck am I to be succeeding right now <laughs> to yeah. have good things happening to me? It's this, it's a weird two, you know, double-edged sword of like, um, I, of course I can do this. What do you mean I can do this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All in the same breath. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really bizarre, but I hope that everyone out there gets to uh, feel it and feel even more success than I've had. 
um, which is very little, by the way. Yeah, and if two, if two, if if us two randos can can have good things happen, you can have good things happen too. I was gonna say West Virginia, and then me. I'm actually still in Missouri. Like, let's see. There you go. All right, so BTA. Can I call you BTA now that we're almost done with the A lot of people do. I, I, I love it. I'm into it. Rolls, it. it rolls off the tongue. And that's your uh, handle, isn't it? Is it just at it BTA? Is. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's at Brian D. Arnold, but BTA is the, is uh, the name. Is the name. That okay. Yeah. So cool. We will throw that out there at Brian T. Arnold. You guys should all go follow him. BTA. On Twitter and Instagram. At Brian and T. Arnold. IG. I don't Go know if Inst- I follow you on IG. I'll follow you well, after follow this. Me. See some pictures yeah. of food I cooked. I would love to. I love food. <laughs> uh, cool. So what are a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially those who are just getting started? Oh, man. Um, I mean, the thing I said earlier about writers groups, I think is as early as you can, like mm-hmm. find people at your level or you know around your level and really just start working with people and, and it's the, it's the way to get better is to not be afraid to show people your work and to like work together to, to build it and make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also <laughs> say one thing that like I did, you know, when I was younger, have that sort of, I think, cockiness and brashness of, I am good enough at this. I'm going to like, you know, I had a script, I wrote a script when I was like, you know, 22, 21, like fresh out of college where I was like, you know, this is the one, you know, this is, this is perfect. This is great. And, um, you know, of course nothing happened with it because it wasn't, um, but it was just in that, like, you have to, it might take longer than you think it's going to take. And you need to have that kind of confidence to do this. You need to believe in yourself to a point of like, I am a person with stories to tell, but yep. you will have ups and downs and a lot of downs. And it's just a matter of continuing to get back up and keep going. Um, yeah. I was, listening, I was listening to something today. I think it was, I think it was a, Tom Hanks being interviewed on a podcast. I think it was Dead Eyes, not to plug another podcast. I'm sorry to, what you know, the fuck? I'm sorry to plug another podcast on your podcast. I'm sorry. That's fine. But Everybody yeah. go listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but Tom, but Tom Hanks said something along the lines of like, it is just about, you know, um, it's more, it's almost as much about stick to for lack of a better word that I can't remember what word he used, yep. than it is about talent necessarily like you're going to get knocked down a bunch on the way up the hill and it's just Mm -hmm. how much of that can you take so before you do something else and i think most of us are so drawn to this that we can't imagine doing something else if we can help it so like just be prepared to not make it as fast as you think you might and to you know get back up and just have perseverance and have endurance and just if this is what you want to do keep getting back up Yep. Yeah. I love that answer. I totally agree. I know for me personally, I've just decided that all that's waiting for me, if I don't do this is like some desk job or like some whatever job. And that won't make me as happy as doing that. I feel like I would still be making short films. Sure. No, absolutely. No matter what I was doing. I have this weird, I don't know if this is a, I don't know how I feel about it, like in practice, but like, I really, I think we're all meant to do what we're drawn to but it's the thing that we can't control is like at what level i guess or like the the way that people respond to it you're never going to control that you're never going to control you can control what you create you can't control how the world reacts to it so you know maybe it's maybe you are lucky enough that you sell some scripts and you're 
dreams come true, or maybe you're making small short films in your hometown. Either way, it's like, I'm doing the thing that I love. And hopefully that fulfills me. Like I can still find the thing that I love to do, even if it's not as big as I dreamt it would be. That's beautiful. I love that. I mean, we'll end on that. BTA, do you have any projects or anything at all that you want to plug? I know this is a business where we have secrets, but um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, if there's just anything you want to plug. Hopefully, you know, uh, in the end in theaters in two, three, four, five years, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) go see see that. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) No, I, I, you know, we already mentioned my Twitter and Instagram. That's where I exist. Yep. Um, at Brian I, T. Arnold. At Brian T. Arnold. And yep. I I did make a web series like five years ago, if you want to watch that. Um, yeah. Openhousestheseries.com, all six episodes. Dope. It's all up there to see. Awesome. All up there to see. Just uh, and so we have those... some. I love your plugs. Or I have a thing from five or six years ago, and then a and thing you might be able five to, to see. Six years in the five or six years. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh no, that's awesome, dude. Um, so happy you came on. Dude, thank you for having me. It really was fun. All right, guys, that'll do it for episode eight. It is in the books. I want to thank BTA Brian T Arnold for coming on the show again. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Brian T Arnold. You should follow him. He is a cool person to follow. If you like food, hit that Instagram. If you like screenwriting and just general funny stuff that doesn't take itself too serious, follow him on Twitter at Brian T. Arnold. Uh, Follow me too at AndyCaptain underscore. Why not throw myself in it and make it about me? Uh, Other than that, uh, I just want to thank you guys for listening. Um, Super appreciate it. Uh, If you like this episode and want to say something about it on Twitter, I highly encourage that and you can tag us. At Social Writer Pod, I will always try my best to interact with all the tweets that we get. So, yeah, tweet us up, talk about it. Uh, super appreciate that. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that at the Linktree link and our social media at Social Writer Pod. And you just click the link to donate. It's a PayPal account, it's all legit. I'm not trying to rip you off. Uh, I super appreciate that because a lot of work and a lot of love goes into these podcast episodes and I appreciate it. Uh, and that'll do it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you on the next one. Goodbye. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social